0: All right, guys. Welcome to Salt City. It's great to have you here. Something that we talk about a lot at Salt City in terms of our vision is we use this analogy of loving the student section. So I don't know about you, but I like college football games better than NFL games. And the primary reason for that is because at... College football games, there's a student section. And at NFL games, there is not a student section. And that's why I love Salt City Church, is because we've got a student section. And so here's what's true about having a student section. When you have a student section, there is a dedicated group of people who got cheap tickets and who makes a really big mess. But the reason that you want them there is because they increase the passion level of the whole stadium. And what's true here is we've got a group of people who don't pay the bills, but have one of the greatest contributions to our church. It's part of the reason we all love to be here because we have this group of people who just has first love for Jesus and are leading the way for us in that. And that really does play into... Our mission as a church, which if you go on our website, it's buried there somewhere, but it's that we want to reach the campus, renew the cities, and impact the world. And so what we believe is that we're specifically called to make disciples, focusing on the next generation. And as that next generation is one to Christ and get jobs in the Twin Cities and get called to be missionaries throughout the world one day we'll actually see this room impact in a small way the world for Jesus. And so what I really want to call you to this morning is to see that you are a vital part of that vision. There's two kinds of people, I think, when it comes to to vision. And one is the person who gets super excited and really sees their place within that vision. But I think more commonly, people can get lost within it. They hear this big, exciting thing, and they're like, that's awesome that you guys are doing that, but I don't really see how I can contribute. And so what I want to show you is that you've been gifted by God in order to contribute. Everyone has gifts to contribute to this mission. And so what we're going to do is we're going to open up the Bible To Romans chapter 12, and we're going to see how we can contribute to the mission of Jesus. The first reminder that we need is that we contribute dependently. So Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 3, I'm just going to read verse 3 to start. So it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So as Christians, we've been saved, we've been called to a holy life, and we've also been gifted by God to do various things. And so we can sort of fall into one of two camps. We can fall into this camp of thinking, I really have something to contribute to the body of Christ. Or we can fall into the camp of thinking, what could I possibly contribute to the body of Christ? And what Paul says is before we get to work, we need to do an honest self-assessment. And he said, here's what's going to happen if you do this honest self-assessment. One thing is that you're not going to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but you are going to think of yourself with sober judgment. Here's the bottom line. When you do honest self-assessment, you're not going to be impressed with what you see. Even those of us who are the most gifted in our church, at the end of the day, are not impressive people. Everything that we have is a gift from God. And that's what Paul says here. He says the reason that we have this honest self-assessment, that we look at ourselves with humility instead of with pride, is because we're analyzing ourselves according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So here's the truth that undergirds our humility. Even our faith to operate our spiritual gifts has been assigned. God has given different people within the body of Christ different measures of faith, different amounts of trust in God's ability to use them and for their life to be impactful. So before we even get started talking about what the spiritual gifts are or how we use them, we have to understand that they're used dependently. They're used by faith. So we use our gifts based on the amount of faith that God has given us and faith in its very nature looks away from ourselves and looks to God as the source of everything that we need. So our faith comes from God and the one whom our faith in is God. So there's sort of this double dependence. He gives us what we need, and then he, in an ongoing way, supplies our needs. So it's sort of like my parents with me in high school in relationship to my car. So I was one of those spoiled kids whose parents not only bought them the car, but also gave them a credit card to pay for gas. Now, it wasn't an impressive car. It was a 1988 Oldsmobile Delta 88, rust-colored with rust-colored interior. But as a 16-year-old kid, I was pretty excited just to have transportation. And then when my parents gave me the credit card, I was really excited to have the ability to pay for gas to go anywhere that I wanted to go. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, I didn't have anything to boast about because I didn't work for the car and I didn't work for the gas. It was all just a gift to me. So if I was going to boast about anything, I would boast about my parents' generosity, not about how hard I worked. And it's the same with our faith. Our faith is a gift from God. Our dependence is on God. And so before we start getting into what these spiritual gifts are, we need to have a right self-assessment. And so here's the right self-assessment. Whether you are a highly gifted Talented individual, or you feel like you have almost nothing to bring to the table, the right self assessment is apart from Jesus, I can't do anything. That's the starting place of exercising our spiritual gifts. We are all wholly dependent on Jesus to work in and through us. Spiritual gifts, in other words, are not just talents. They are talents that have been brought before God in dependence on him and are now the means of his grace to a dying world. Okay, so that's the first thing. We contribute dependently, but it's also important to understand that we don't contribute individually. We have to see, when we start talking about our contribution and spiritual gifts and all these things, that as Christians, we've been brought into a family. And the way that Paul puts it here is that we are one. Specifically, we are one body. So we contribute as one. We're not in competition with each other, We're working together, pulling in the same direction for the mission of Jesus. Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it as he continues. It says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So, Paul uses something we're all very familiar with because we happen to have one, the body. He says, think about your body and think about the different members. So he's talking about different parts of your body. So you've got toes and you've got knees and you've got legs and you've got hands and you've got eyes and you've got ears and, and all these different things. He's saying, think about the way that you think of, of them. You're actually really thankful that you have all of these different parts of your body that function in different ways. In other words, you're glad that your body is not made up of a thousand eyes because then all you would be able to do is see. And you're certainly glad that your body is not made up of 1,000 little pinky toes because then it would be very hard for you to function and do anything. And so what he's saying is just as in a body you are thankful for all of the different functions of all of the different parts of your body, and you don't think of your body in terms of the parts. You think of your body as one unified whole on a mission to accomplish whatever is in front of you that day. He's saying, think about the church like that. Don't look around and think, oh, I don't really like that person, or I'm just glad I'm more gifted than that person or more talented than that person. That person is sort of Non-essential to the body. And I'm just glad that I'm a really important member of the body. And we sort of can start dividing people into different categories. But we don't talk about our bodies that way, do we? We're not like, man, I really like my eyes better than my big toe. You know, big toe, I could kind of do without it. Eyes, really vital and important. If it's up to us, we would keep all of the different members of our body. And in fact, we find out throughout our life how important each member of our body is. Let me give you an example. Anyone ever stub your toe real bad, right? You don't even really think about your big toe that much throughout the day, right? You might think, oh, that's kind of gross when you put your shoes on or something like that. But you're not thinking about it that much. That is until you stub it. And then you you maybe been in this situation before. You think you might have broken it. You've got it up on a pillow. And you're just looking at your big toe. And you can feel your heartbeat in your big toe. And you think, I can't do anything today. Like, I don't want to get, like, it hurts so bad to walk Like, I I don't even want to get up from the couch to go to the bathroom unless I really have to. And then you realize that your big toe is essential to your happiness in life. You realize then how important that one member of your body that you rarely think about is. And here's what Paul's saying is, we tend to think of ourselves As individuals, we tend to be in competition with one another. But as Christians, there's another way. We are to put on the mind of Jesus Christ, who treated us like we were members of his very own body. He loved us as he loved himself. And he laid down his life for us. So your gifts and your abilities are not mainly for you. They're not to build your spiritual reputation. They are to serve, nurture, and care for the people around you. So let me just run through 10 quick implications of this teaching. I'm going to read them. You might not even have time to write them down. All right? First one, not everyone is going to be on the front lines doing college ministry talk a lot about college ministry in this church. Some people start to feel like, am I even essential to this mission if I'm not doing college ministry? Do I have to be passionate about that? The answer is no. There's people who are going to be on the front lines. There's people who are going to be behind the scenes. Both are equally essential to what we're doing as a church. Number two, we welcome hurting, broken, and suffering people. Just like in your body, you hurt something, you're going to give it special attention. In the church, someone gets hurt, we're going to give you special attention. Number three, some people are going to be upfront and prominent in their roles in the church. Some people are never going to be seen. Number four, we embrace diversity in economic status, race, and background. That's part of us being different. We don't expect everyone to look the same, And be the same because it makes sense if people have different functions that they would be made fundamentally different than one another. Number five, working a nine-to-five job is essential to the mission of Salt City Church. Think about our vision as a church. We are the salt of the earth, a city on on a hill. What do you do with salt? You spread it around. If it gets in a pile... Your food's just gonna taste horrible. So you're spreading out. You're doing the work of Jesus when you're at your job. Number six, stay-at-home moms are essential to the mission of Salt City Church. Number seven, kids are essential to the mission of Salt City Church. Number eight, students are essential to the mission of Salt City Church. Number nine, pastors, missionaries, and staff are essential to the mission of Salt City Church. Notice it takes up one line. I think often people think pastors, missionaries, and staff are the only essential members of Salt City Church. Just one part of the body. And number 10, mature and immature believers are essential to the mission of Salt City Church. You see, we believe that each person who God has brought here and has saved and has been brought into the body of Christ has a role to play within the church, whether they're very gifted or don't have prominent and impressive gifts at all. Every part of the body matters and we want to help you discover how you can contribute to this body. Over time, So here's what's true. Our unity, we're the body of Christ, and our diversity is what shows the watching world that something different is going on here. The only way that we can possibly function as a body in Christ is to believe that our identity and our worth and our value is wrapped up in being loved by Jesus and is not based on what we do. In other words, Jesus, great place to find your identity. Spiritual gifts, terrible place to find your identity. You're going to get on a roller coaster if you place your identity in your spiritual gifts because sometimes, quite frankly, you're going to be killing it and doing awesome and and really serving the people around you with your gifts. And other times, you're going to have to get benched because you're going to be hurting or are just kind of spiritually off, and you won't be able to use them. And so we have to find that identity in Jesus and be pointing each other to that first and foremost. Okay. Some of you are like, okay, we're talking a lot of a lot of theology and and those types of things. When are we going to get to told get told what to do? We're getting there. Okay. Here we go. But there, there's a little bit more theology, and then I'm going to tell you what to do. All right. Here we go. Here's what we contribute. Okay. So we're, we're sort of talking about the background here. But what, what we're ultimately going to be called to is to contribute our grace gifts. I think even better than the term spiritual gifts, to be faithful to this passage, the correct term would be grace gifts. Okay, so here's what Paul says as the text continues, verses six through eight. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, so he starts off by saying that everybody has a gift. And he says, we have gifts that differ according to the grace of God. Now, if you dig into that text a little bit and you look at the original language, what he is literally saying is we have charisma that differ according to the charis. The root word there, charis, is translated in English, grace. So here's what he's literally saying having grace that differs according to the grace. So here's the big idea. It's all grace. Okay, if you walk through the book of Romans, what you'll see is the first five chapters of Romans are devoted to us understanding that our salvation and right relationship with God is a gift of God's grace. Verses six through eight are showing us that are sanctification, or in other words, this process where we're becoming more like Jesus is a gift of his grace. Verses nine through 11 get us into the deep mysteries of God's grace. And then we get to Romans chapter 12, and he's saying spiritual gifts are an evidence of God's grace in your life. So in other words, Spiritual gifts are not the result of hard work and effort. They might take hard work and effort to get better at and to maintain, but the bottom line is in the same way that your salvation is from grace, your spiritual gifts are also from grace. And so here's what's happened God has saved you, He's gifted you by grace and the reason that he's gifted you by grace is because of his grace and the reason that he's gifted you by his grace with grace is to give away grace so the whole purpose of it is grace it's all about grace and here's what happens we can start get caught up getting caught up in what spiritual gifts do I have? And doing all these spiritual gifts assessments, which I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. And we're just trying to figure out what specific gifts that we have. And we all, if we're honest, we want the cool ones, right? We want like prophecy and tongues and what is that? I don't know, but it sounds really cool and really spiritual. And maybe think people will think I'm important if I have that gift. But, but the emphasis here is not on the gifts, it's on the grace, And so think about it this way. I've got this sandbox in my backyard that I built. Got a bunch of sand in it. And at first we had like maybe five toys in the sandbox. But now somehow there's like 55 toys in the sandbox. So we got like, you know, those plastic things with little holes on them and you can like try to find gold in your sandbox or whatever and we got the rollers that you can roll the sand with and we've got the the rakes that you can rake the sand with and and we've got things that aren't even supposed to be in sandboxes that, that you can move sand with but here's the thing the whole purpose of all of these different toys is to move sand around that's what you do in a sandbox And so it doesn't really matter what toy you have. You can maybe put the sand in different forms or do different things with it that you're not able to do with the other tools or toys. But the essential thing about the toys is that they somehow shape or move sand. The essential thing about your spiritual gifts is that they move grace. They're vehicles of grace. So at the end of the day... No matter which of these gifts that we're about to go through that you have, we're essentially all doing the same thing. We're saying, I've been saved by grace. Jesus has transformed my life. He's changed me. And now I get to, by his grace, give grace to other people. Okay, so here's the different vehicles of grace that Paul lists in this passage, which, by the way, is not an exhaustive list, but we're just gonna go through these to give you a basic understanding of what these spiritual gifts are and give you an opportunity to sort of look at your life and say, man, which which of these gifts would I be most excited and able to use after this sort of honest self-assessment? Okay, the first one that he lists here is prophecy. Prophecy, sounds cool. It sounds like you can predict the future, okay? In the New Testament, the way that the gift of prophecy is described is not an ability to predict the future, but it is an ability to speak timely words of grace that are from God. Here's what I mean. When you get around a prophet, they'll say things to you that it seems like maybe they've been reading your mail. Like it, it hits so close to home. Memorable words that deeply impact you, that leave a lasting impression on you. A prophet might even speak words into your life that change the very direction of your future because they're that sort of impactful. They might even say things that they don't even know are going on in your life that leave you sort of encouraged and excited about what's coming. Okay, second thing, the gift of serving. I think the gift of serving is the God-given ability to see what needs to be done and the initiative to do it. And so servants are in the room and they they notice that that person's carrying more than they can carry. And so they're they see it and then they run over and they're and they're just there to help. I don't have the gift of service and so I'm amazed amazed by these people because I'm like how did you see that? Like I I don't see that. I see like Things in terms of like the world of ideas and and thoughts and teaching and those types of things. But Jordan and I joke all the time that neither of us has a practical bone in our body, like we're trying. Thankfully, we're both married to to women who can, can get stuff done. But people with the gift of service, they can see what needs to be done and get it done. Okay, number three. We see in the in the passage the gift of teaching. So this is the ability to help people understand the Bible's message of grace. You can look at a passage of Scripture and you can explain it in such a way that the people that you're talking to have aha moments. They're like, oh, I didn't understand that that way before. Or they're able to apply the text to you in a certain way that you can walk away and you can say, oh, I know exactly how to put that into practice in my life. If you don't have the gift of teaching, you try to explain the Bible to people, and people leave kind of more confused than they are helped. Let me encourage you, that is not an indication of spiritual immaturity. It might just be that you don't have the gift of teaching. And the way that you minister to God's grace to people is in more practical ways than in ways of explaining things. Okay? Okay. Number four, exhortation. Okay, I would describe the, the gift of exhortation as the ability, the God-given ability to challenge and encourage people. And so there's sort of two sides to it. You leave somebody's presence who have the gift of exhortation and they are encouraging you in such a way that maybe before the conversation, you felt trapped or you felt fearful, and now you feel like, I think I could actually do that. To encourage is to give someone courage, is to fill them with courage. Okay, next one. Some people have the gift of generosity. So you have the God-given ability to grace other people with your time, with your money, and with stuff. When you see the other members of the body of Christ or lost people out in the world, you think, oh, a way that I could really benefit them or help them is in this practical way with something that they need. We saw this in the life of our church this week. Abby Gonzalez, on staff with Salt Company, got her computer stolen. And so the leadership team of Salt Company all pooled together $900 to buy her A computer. And my guess is the person who sort of spearheaded that has this gift of generosity. They're able to see this very practical thing. Abby is on staff with our college ministry. She got her computer stolen. Let's all pitch in and buy her a computer. Isn't that awesome? A bunch of college students said that. That was beautiful. Next thing, the gift of leadership. The way I describe leadership is it's able to, somebody who's able to set the table for lots of grace to happen by organizing people to be on mission together. So this is the way a leader thinks. A leader's like, well, I could go and help this person, or I could get 27 people to do it with me. And if we got 27 people, we would be able to accomplish a lot more together than I would be able to accomplish on my own. And so they're gonna get a person with the gift of service, a gift of teaching, gift of generosity, all these different gifts, and get all of them together, gonna to tell them, give them assignments, tell them what to do, and everybody is gonna go, and it's basically gonna be like a dump truck. They're just gonna pull up on some unsuspecting person, just dump grace on them. There's a whole big group of people. It's the gift of leadership. And then finally, in the text, we have the gift of mercy. And so they're able to give grace and comfort to those who are hurting, suffering, or feel left out. So someone with the gift of mercy, they are actually drawn to those who most people don't give the time of day. They see those that are hurting and are suffering and are feeling left out, and they feel this pull and this draw to them. Not necessarily always to speak words, but just to be a presence with them, to do whatever they can to help that person. Okay, so maybe one of those is sticking out to you specifically. I hope you're encouraged that God has in fact gifted you, that he's given you a purpose. Here's Paul's encouragement to us. Let's use them. Here's the best way to figure out what your gifts are. Just keep showing up. Show up to your connection group, show up to salt company, show up at church. When you hear that somebody is about to move or when you hear of a practical need that someone has, you show up and you do what God has gifted you to do. We need all of these gifts in every environment in Salt City Church. And as people are uniquely exercising their gifts, Not comparing ourselves to others, man, I wish I had as much faith as he did, or I wish God had dumped grace on me like that, and I wish I had the gift of teaching, or I wish I had the gift of prophecy, because those sound way cooler than the gifts maybe I have. Instead of that, if we just all showed up, and we're like, I am by faith going to believe that God has gifted me, because I'm a Christian, and he loves me. And so I'm going to walk into this environment, and it's not always like you're going to know. You know what I mean? You're not going to walk in and be like, I believe that now I'm exercising the gift of mercy. I'm having compassion on you, feeling it inside. Right? It's not going to be that clear to us all the time. And for a lot of us, it's going to take people sort of pointing those things out to us. And maybe in our connection groups this week, we just need to go around and, and if we know each other well, just point out the different evidences of God's grace in terms of spiritual gifts that maybe we see from other people in the room. Maybe that would be helpful. But here's my encouragement to you. Let's use them. That's how you contribute to the body of Christ. And none of us is going to feel fulfilled in following Jesus and like we're truly on this mission for him until we stop our comparison game and we start using these gifts. So let me leave you with a story. Remember Melissa and I, when uh, we were raising support for ministry early on, we met with this woman named Evelyn. And she lived in this little mother-in-law house behind her son's house. And she uh, was in her 90s. And so she wasn't very mobile. And you might, if you were in her situation, be tempted to just believe, I don't really have anything to contribute. To the body of Christ, and we go to her house, and she just says, um, "You know, what do we need?" And and we have this conversation. We're raising support for ministry, and and she said, "I tell you what, there's a couple things that I can do. I can pray for you guys, and the other thing I can do is I can disconnect my cable, and I can give you hundred dollars a month for your ministry." Here's here's the mindset that Evelyn had, not. I'm 90 and and I'm you know on my last leg of life and I can't really bring anything to the table, so I might as well just sit here and watch prices right. But she thought, what can I contribute to the body of Christ? She found this secret of being content, which Paul talks about. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's what I want you to experience. And and you know, there's so many people they think that that church is primarily about coming and hearing a message, going to a a small group. But where you really start to, I think, come alive in your relationship with God is when you start to discover and use your gifts. So let's use our gifts. Walk with Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, um, thank you that uh, you have not only saved us, called us to a holy life, but you've also dumped this grace of spiritual gifts on us. And I ask that people would leave today encouraged to use their gifts to walk faithful with you. And I just ask that there would be more mercy shown and more service and more teaching and more exhortation and more prophecy and more generosity that would spring forth as a result of your word going out and convicting people and challenging them. And I ask that people would just find joy in using whatever gifts that you've given them in whatever measure you've given them. In Jesus' name, amen.